This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Welcome to the Varsity Club podcast. I'm your host, Derek. Uh, before we get to the show today, I want to point you guys towards hailvarsity.com. Um, there's so much great stuff on site right now for you guys to read as we get ready for Big Ten Media Days. Um, you can read who's going to be representing Nebraska and Chicago and a little bit about each guy. Nebraska ball suffered some attrition late Thursday night. We've got something on that. The Huskers got their 12th commitment to the 2019 class on Thursday with Tony Fair, a defensive tackle from Pima. There's a ton of content on him up for you guys to read as well. Um, I looked at what the chances are Nebraska could be adding a fourth Heisman Trophy to its collection in the next four years. Um, and then another piece on what to expect from the special teams in 2018. Um, and then today, Friday, as of recording this, uh, we're wrapping up our opponent previews. So you can read all 12 of those on site. And then, of course, um, Brandon Vogel wrote about overalls. And so we had to bring him onto the show to talk. Brandon, how are you? I'm doing well. You know, it was it was really the burning issue of, of July, I think. So just had to uh, to tackle that head on. Um, somebody's got to do it, I guess. I think for the remainder of this podcast, you are only allowed to talk about overalls. So when we <laughs> get into it, all your points have to be made through like overall references. Yeah, okay, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll do the best I can. I mentioned okay. on Twitter today that, you know, I actually quoted something I wrote about overalls 10 years ago. So this is a once a decade thing, but we'll, we'll grandfather today in. That sounds good. Uh, on this podcast, we're doing sort of a, a Big Ten preview with Media Days only a couple days away. Um, we'll have some, some zoomed out thoughts on the conference and then some more position specific talk later on. Um, first, Brandon, I want to ask you our question of the week. The inspiration for this question comes to us from Corey on Twitter. Um, he asked for our mailbag, which SEC-related question you would want to ask a Big Ten coach. Um, but Brandon, I'm going to ask you, if you were able to ask any coach in the Big Ten any question and you knew that you'd be getting a 100% honest answer, what would you want to know? Uh, this, this one's – I had a hard time coming up with one off the top of my head. Um, the, I guess the negative skewing one is <laughs> which team cheats the worst in the Big Ten? And I, I ask that because we have this view, you know, of the Big Ten as sort of a proper conference. And I'm not saying us personally. I'm saying most people. Like if you were just to ask a random person on the street, uh, one of these conferences cheated, which one was it? The SEC or the Big Ten? Most people, I think, are going to say the SEC, but I think it's a little bit naive to assume that stuff isn't happening everywhere. So, so that would be one I would be interested to uh, to get a coach to. You know, I don't even care if they go on the record. If they just tell me off the record, that'll be enough for me. Interesting. I didn't even thought about that. I kind of want to know where they would place the Big Ten amongst the other power conferences, because yeah. the the feeling in the Big Ten is is that this conference is, you know, we're the big boys and we're elite, um, but in the last couple of seasons, it's been a little top heavy um, and they've gotten shut out of the college football playoff now on multiple occasions. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of curious what I guess specifically like urban Meyer thinks about the sec 
having coached in it and now last season getting kind of robbed by it in a way. Um, that would be what I would want to know. Yeah, that's that's a really good one, too, because <laughs> the honest answer there is probably walking back whatever they would tell you publicly. Like, you know, if you ask a coach that this, you know, coming Monday and Tuesday, they'd be like, oh, it's great conference and stuff to win day in and day out can compete with anyone but like you want the real scoop on like okay what's it like and especially for those guys who james franklin's been in the sec um paul paul christ was in the acc and uh, maybe Pitt wasn't part of the acc yet um but you know guys the guys have been around and and coaching a bunch of different conferences scott frost was in the pac-12 um so it it would be interesting (laughs) the other one i had was also meyer related i want to ask the other coaches just how annoying is ohio state like they out recruit everybody. Some teams in the East, like Michigan and Penn State, get close in terms of recruiting rankings. But man, they're just they're they're perceived to be the top team in the conference, and they should be. I mean, that's their resume backs that up. But if you're a coach in the Big Ten, that has to get a little bit annoying. Yeah, yeah, I, I would assume so as well. My alternate answer was, uh, I, I would like to ask Jim Harbaugh if he has a khaki sponsorship. <laughs> so that would. I saw he has upgraded the game to kind of slimmer Lululemon pants now. Um, but if there if there isn't a sponsorship deal somewhere in place, then some company is missing an opportunity. I, I would say that's a you know maybe that's a Jordan brand improvement to to slim those khakis down a little bit. But having seen the pants that Michael Jordan wears, uh, I'm gonna guess like that's probably not the case. Probably not. Let's talk Big Ten hierarchies. Um, most team are most teams, excuse me, are bringing their best offensive player to media days. Nebraska obviously is going to be bringing Stanley Morgan Jr. And most people that cover that team are in agreement that he's their best offensive weapon. I wish Ohio State and Wisconsin were bringing their running backs, but it doesn't look to be happening. Um, we will get to talk to Trace McSorley though, and a lot of people think that. Trace at Penn State is the best offensive weapon in not just the conference, but one of the top players in the country. Um, if I asked you to name the best offensive player in the conference in 2018, would your answer be Trace McSorley? It would. Um, you, you look at sort of the numbers he's put up. Penn State is really fascinating from an offensive perspective to me this year because, okay, Saquon Barkley's gone. That's that's a big deal. Your offensive coordinator is gone. So I think we're really going to see, like, this year is the the Trace McSorley show. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. But based on what he did with those guys, um, I think his sort of place at the top of the conference right now is is deserved. Um, McAlee Sports, which I mentioned in, in Hot Reads this morning, put out a giant thousand-page PDF preview. Like, it's really, like, in inside the numbers, dorky stuff. But they have player ratings. And Trace McSorley was, like, so high above anyone else in the big 10 i mean i don't know if it's a hundred point scale but like trace mcsorley i think was in the 70s the next next closest player was maybe the high 40s so Hmm. whatever that's worth um that's how big a gap at least one one person sees it in the big 10 did you see i mean when you watched him last year did you see like best player in the the conference one of the top players in the country potential um, no, not necessarily, because I, I think with Moorhead and, and, and Saquon Barkley, like Saquon Barkley did so many amazing highlight worthy things, you know, for the first three or four weeks of the season, maybe even longer, you know, he was kind of cl- clearly the Heisman front, ru- front runner, he was returning kickoffs, he was doing a little bit of everything. Um, so it may have been easy to, you know, lose him a little bit for that. But what I really like about him is he, he has that sort of 
playmaker gene. You know, you, you see it with Baker Mayfield, last, last year's Heisman winner. You see it with McKenzie Milton. Um, and, and those quarterbacks are, are a ton of fun. And, I mean, I think you can go all the way back to Marcus Mariota and, and beyond that. For, for those type of guys, they've done really well in the uh, awards races in this past uh, half decade or so. Definitely. I want to see what Trace looks like without Saquon next to him. Because Barkley was, I mean, A, an all-time Penn State running back and offensive talent. But I think maybe even more importantly as it relates to McSorley, he was a tremendous decoy and a pressure release guy because everybody had to focus on Saquon Barkley. Like you could not not pay attention to him when Penn State's offense was on the field. All eyes this season are going to be on Trace. And I don't know if he can be, I, I want to see if he can be as efficient, especially given the change at offensive coordinator. My guy is probably Jonathan Taylor yeah. at uh, Wisconsin. Yeah, he's he's the other one. You know, it, it it really hurts to to not have him at uh, at Big Ten media days. You know, I'm not surprised. Most coaches tend to do this. They they don't tend to bring underclassmen. I almost wish they would go with with four guys per team and and just let that fourth one be a wild card for. You know, maybe even let the media request it. It's not like we have anything else to go to do in the last two weeks of June through some conference start of conference media days in July. We can yeah. send in a request to say. Yeah, here's here's a guy we'd like to see from each school, and you know they can still veto that. But I think then you would get some of the you, you would get some of the Ohio State backs. You would get a Jonathan Taylor, um, who are some of the best players in the conference. Yeah, I mean, because looking through the the list of guys that are coming, every single player is a senior or a junior. Um, I had written in in J.K. Dobbins here, who was another sensational freshman running back last year at Ohio State. Yeah. Um, last second, I changed him to Taylor. First in yards per game. First in total yardage, he had almost 600 yards more than second place. Uh, first in 10-plus yard carries, 20-plus yard carries, 40-plus yard carries. Second in touchdowns, second in per carry average. Um, he's also got probably the best chance to replicate his freshman numbers of the two backs, given how strong Wisconsin figures to be up front again, I would think at least. Yeah, he, he definitely does. Wisconsin leans on him a lot more heavily than Ohio, Ohio State needs to lean on Dobbins. Um <clears throat> Ohio State's just deep. Like Wisconsin loaded offensively, but it's just tough for anyone to match the depth that Ohio State has. So you know they can go too deep really easily and kind of siphon off those carries from or catches, whatever the case may be, from from whoever is the top athlete there. Um, if if that makes sense, you know, there's just they they're able to spread it around more. Um, so I think that hurts a little bit when you're when you look at those Ohio State backs, at least from a statistical standpoint. Yeah, that goes back to your your thing about Ohio State being annoying. John, uh, Dobbins averaged 13 carries a game and had 100 yards a game last season. Yeah, <clears throat> and, <laughs> and we know that they've got at least one more of those guys, and I presume they probably signed at least two more in the last recruiting class, and they've already got two more locked up for the uh, forthcoming recruiting class. That's kind of the assembly line they have uh, established there. Can you imagine being like Levy Smith and looking at that and thinking, if I had just one of those guys, we would be so much better? <laughs> no, I can't, but you're right. Like, Levy's, Levy's out here. He's recruiting pretty well right now. Um, but you just look like, you know, we'll, we'll take the third guy. We'll take the guy who's thinking about transferring right now from Ohio State because he's not going to get enough snaps. And it would immediately change the outlook for us, both among our fan base and probably among the media, um, in, in a way that you can't even fathom Urban Meyer. Dude, I think I think Rutgers would take the fourth guy in Ohio State in a lot of positions. Um, yeah. Did you see 
totally off topic, but I saw something, I saw a story uh, on Twitter yesterday that was like, Rutgers uh, operates at like a $47 million deficit every season, their athletic department. Did you see that? I, I didn't see it, but it's it's not surprising. Um, I mean, maybe maybe $47 million is, like a lot of teams operate at a deficit, but 47 is pretty, pretty hefty. Yeah, you kind of have to ask yourself seriously, like, what are we doing here? Is is this worth it? I mean, they're not going to get rid of sports, obviously, but um, man, you know, and that was the push before Shiano, like, came there and and revitalized Rutgers. There was like a serious vocal push to just eliminate football. Um, And here they are in the Big Ten now. They might have to because they could get they could get a full Big Ten payout and it would only cut their deficit to twenty million dollars. That's not good. (laughs) No, (laughs) it's really not good. (laughs) And I I can't remember how they structured their deal when they came in. You know, Maryland basically used it as a bailout and got a bunch of money up front. You know, Nebraska deferred it. They're like, we'll take a partial share. And and now they they're finally getting a full share for the Big Ten. And I think Rutgers fell somewhere in between there. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's tough when it's tough for the conference when you have those two teams, Illinois and Illinois and Rutgers, um, are talking about here where it's just, you kind of like put them off over there. You're like, well, you don't have to worry about those. And Purdue used to be that. I mean, it shows you're only a good coaching hire away, uh, on the football side, but man, you would like those teams to be a little more lively than, than they are right now. You would like so, yes. Um, let's get back to the the top player discussion, and let's go to the defensive side. Who do you have as the the cream of the crop in the Big Ten on the defensive side of the ball? Yeah, this one's this one's a, lot, a little bit more interesting, um, just because the Big Ten's traditionally defense first. Um, but I but I think the pick for me is probably the the easiest one, which is Bosa at, at Ohio State. Um, you know, his brother was so good; um, he might be even better. It, it's tough for me to go a different direction um, from him. I will go a different direction. So I kind of wanted to be trendy. Um, because there is, there's so much defensive talent in the Big Ten this season that you could honestly, I mean, there's like three or four guys that you could pick and make a case for. Um, obviously Bosa, and then Rashawn Gary at Michigan, um, or Devin Bush at Michigan. I think Kenny Willicks at Michigan State is going to be big. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go with Patty Fisher at Northwestern, though. He was uh, all, he, he led all first-year players in the country last season with 113 total tackles. He led Northwestern with tackles. Uh, he led the Big Ten in forced fumbles. He he was a Big Ten freshman defensive player of the year, if I remember that correctly. Um, so. And PFF's second-highest graded player in the conference behind Nick Bosa. Like, like And, and I, I said this to you when I was writing my Northwestern preview. Like I was not expecting their defensive numbers to look as good as they did last season. And a big part of that was Fisher. Yeah, I I, I really like that pick. He was actually probably the the second player that came to mind when I was just before I looked at any numbers and was just thinking about it. I'm not entirely convinced that he's not Pat Fitzgerald's secret son. Like he just reminds me so much (laughs) of of Pat Fitzgerald playing linebacker for Northwestern. So um, maybe maybe that's that's the that's the reason why Northwestern, when you when you get inside the numbers, all of a sudden is, is playing elite defense. Um, maybe maybe we need to factor in the Wildcats more. They're always one of the they're they're such a sticking point having like looked at the Big Ten for the last four or five seasons now. Um, people kind of hate having to deal with Northwestern. Like are they actually good? Can we 
believe that they're actually good. Um, it's it's always a mess, it seems. Yeah, because they'll win like, I mean, last year they won 10 games, and I don't think anybody <laughs> would talk about them as being, you know, a team that could have held its own in the Big Ten Championship. Is that a fair assumption? I, I think that's I think that's very accurate. Um, and, you know, one of these times, like, uh, they they keep knocking on the door. I think they're going to get there. Like, the the West is right now minus – so it's Wisconsin and everybody else. Um, Wisconsin, you know, in the unofficial, but only one we have so official, Cleveland.com poll, Wisconsin took all – nobody picked anyone other than Wisconsin to win the West. Um, and that's pretty unusual for, for that division. Um, I think Northwestern, you know, they get a couple of breaks. Like, heck, they beat Wisconsin at home. Um, that there's, there's a good start, you know, it's, it's not that far away from, from being reality. It is Clayton Thorson, the guy that puts them over the top or does it have to be a different quarterback in the future? No, I think so. If they get the same level of defense that they had and Thorson comes back from his injury and is, is even better than just pretty good, which is kind of where I'd put him. Um, I think, I think that, gets them the chance. So if it doesn't happen this year, um, well, the defense is going to be good year in and year out. They, they have been, you know, they may not be to the level that they're at right now, um, but it's, it's always going to be solid. So if you get that um, sort of transcendent quarterback in there, and I don't know if that, I don't think Thorson's getting to that level, but he's already pretty high. Um, that's probably what gets them over that hump and gets them at least a chance to go play Ohio State or Michigan or Penn State or somebody like that for a title. I'm just sitting here now picturing like Pat Fitzgerald having a kid and writing on like the birth certificate. <laughs> What's the best way for people to not think he's my son and just changing the T to a D <laughs> like Patty Fisher? Yep. Yeah. You know, so you, you take Fitzgerald, the last name, you make that Fisher. You're like, I'm going to make the first name really, really Irish. So you still see the you still see the connection there. Um, there. There are clues. There are clues in the name Patty Fisher. Um, you know, very easily could be Pat Fitzgerald Jr. I also don't know that I've ever seen Patty spelled with uh, D instead of T because that's how Patty Fisher spells his name with two D's instead of two T's. That's not it something is. that I've ever seen before. Yeah, it's it's sort of like if you see people abbreviate St. Patty's Day, I think it's usually that way. So, um, it's 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 an Irish thing. I think we just uh, kicked off the the, the new <laughs> it conspiracy theory for 2018. We might have to do some research on this. We we have a new key question for Big Ten Media Days next week. Oh, there we go. Are, is this is this actually your son, Pat? Is Patty uh, going to be there? I don't think so because he's a sophomore. Oh, so also bringing it back to the we need four players in a media vote. You mentioned the the Cleveland.com thing, um, and we we were going to get to that later, but we might as well just hit on it now. Um, The Big Ten doesn't do preseason like media poll rankings of the teams, which is weird. Other conferences do it. Um, I guess first of all, is that weird to you? Do you like that that they don't have one, or do you wish they had one? Oh no, I wish they had one. It's 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 weird to me because that started when I, I think when Nebraska joined the conference, and you know, it kind of as someone who came with Nebraska, so to speak, from the Big Twelve, I was kind of like, oh, here's here's sort of the the classic Big Ten elitism. Like, no, we don't do this. We're we're above this. Um, we can't be saying this team's good and this team's not good. 
But what I really miss from it is the coaches poll. Um, what do the coach? Who do the coaches see as the best team? Um, that's usually the the more interesting one because you can you can throw a rock and, and hit a media poll. Um, I miss the coaches more than anything. Yeah, I kind kind of want to try to see if we can ask them that question, maybe off the record or anonymously at, at Big Ten Media Days. But uh, because they don't have their poll, Cleveland.com is it? I think it's twenty eight sports writers that they survey um, yeah. and then put these these rankings together. Nebraska came in fourth in the Big Ten West, smack dab in the middle. What did you think of that spot? It's about where Nebraska's been trending. Um, so I think – so they got votes anywhere from second in the conference to to sixth. Um, so, you know, fourth fourth kind of averages out to be about right. Um, I think, you know, that's, that's where we've seen them showing up. I think that's probably about what you can prove for Nebraska because their their biggest asset, the biggest difference from 2017 to 2018 is the coach. Um, and, and how do you sort of account for that? And, you know, you can see the people who, who are picking Nebraska second people or person um, they're, they're valuing that pretty heavily. Um, others may look at the roster and be like, yeah, this is kind of still the same thing we saw last year. So um, I, I think fourth is about right. You know, the surprising thing to me, I'm interested what you think about this, was so for the, the title pick, how evenly split it was between Ohio State and Wisconsin. Just Ohio State had one vote more. Did that surprise you? Uh, yeah, actually. Because, I like, I mean, you, you made the point earlier that it's Wisconsin and everybody else. Like, Ohio State is really, really good and really talented, but what are we going to see from their quarterback? That kind of surprises me that it was, it was so even, but I guess that just goes to show that um, talent is, is the ultimate equalizer in, in college football. If you've got more talent than the other team, then nine times, or more often than not, you're going to win games. So you thought Wisconsin would have the majority. Yeah, probably. And you're probably right. I was actually, maybe, maybe this is my own sort of post-traumatic Ohio Stateness, but I was surprised it was that close. Like, Wisconsin's been good and as consistent as you want to be and returns almost everything. But I still think people just default to Ohio State for good reason. Um, so I was surprised it wasn't something closer to, you know, say, 17-10 or, or something like that. I think, I know Ohio State has to go on the road for the Michigan State game. Do they play Michigan uh, they play at Michi- home this year? They play Michigan at home. Okay. I just think with Ohio State, it's like this is the first time in six or seven years that we don't know what we're going to get from the quarterback spot. And I think even yeah. even with everything else positive that you can say about Ohio State, like that's still just such a big thing. It, yeah, it, it it absolutely is. You know, um, we've seen Haskins a little bit. Um, you know, we know he's an Ohio State signee, so so that's that's good news too. Yeah. And, and we know he beat out another accomplished Ohio State signee uh, to to win that job. But until you see them actually actually do it, um, he, he's going to be fine. He's going to be good. Um, it, it just becomes sort of the small things, like can they operate their offense in the full complement that they typically want the way you can with, with a JT Barrett there who, you know, played in, I don't remember how many games over the course of, of four seasons. Um, that's, that's a legitimate question. A lot. He played in a lot over four seasons and yes. he won a lot. Those will be the new uh, statistical measurements that we have a lot. <laughs> it's, it's a good one. It's a good one for, uh, for college football where, where you don't really get a lot of games. So a lot kind of tells you everything. 
Yeah, especially when you're, I mean, other teams, like Nebraska played 12 and Ohio State played uh, 14. Yeah. 14. Some teams take, played like 15. Um, That's a good lead into our next topic. At the end of the day, the teams with the best quarterbacks are going to win. Quarterback play, even in the Big Ten, is so important. Um, and the team with the top quarterback last season won the conference in Ohio State. Um, I don't want to ask you who the top quarterback is in the conference. We kind of already touched on it with Trace, um, and that's also not fun. But which guy around the league is in for a breakout season? Yeah, this is a this is a, a, a tough one too. I spent some a lot of time kind of weighing the options here, um, and I honestly think whoever. Um, Whoever wins the Nebraska job, and I still think that'll be Martinez ultimately, has a great shot at that. Verduzco, Mario Verduzco's sort of track record with almost any and all quarterback he's coached has been so good that I think whether or not that person puts up, you know, top two or three in the conference type numbers, they're going to be better than people would assume based on that person not having any uh, not having any game experience. This is the case for Nebraska. Um, but I think the most likely option is again, not very fun, but it's probably Haskins and Ohio state, just given mm. the talent, talent surrounding them. Um, although you have to kind of think about Shea Patterson too. He was the other one, man. I wasn't thinking of, I'm kind of surprised you didn't go with Maryland. <laughs> the, oh, you know, I, I, so full, full confession. I did have a, a kind of college football hipster pick, but it wasn't Maryland and it probably should have been Kasim Hill, assuming he wins that. Um, Cause that dude's really good. He was viewed mm-hmm. as a program changing recruit um, and unfortunately got hurt. Um, so, so that's, that's a good pick. I also like Peyton Ramsey at Indiana, which is the other Ooh. sort of conference team that I pay attention to yep. when nobody else does. Yep. Um, but you know, unless, unless things last I knew I he hadn't even locked up that job officially. They had a, a true freshman in for spring ball who looked pretty good, but Ramsey's numbers as a, as a freshman who only played in nine games were really, really good. Um, not in terms of like super high totals, but in terms of efficiency, uh, he looked really good for a young quarterback. And remind me again, did he beat out? I mean, did he take the job? They had a senior that started last year, right? They did. Um, and he, I think, eventually took that over. Um, I'm trying okay. to remember how his nine game split went. If he, you know, didn't play early on and then took it. I, I don't recall offhand, but um, I remember watching a couple of Indiana games and be like, this guy is, this guy's pretty good. Like if they have him plus they continue to play strangely solid defense for Indiana under Tom Allen, um, they have a chance to be a tough team in the conference. Because they played uh... – they played. Was it? Was they played Wisconsin in week one, and almost beat them? No, it was Ohio it was, State. It was Ohio State. Yep. Yep. Yeah, they they hung with them for for a half. Because um, you know that was a. I think that was either that was maybe the Thursday or Friday night game. It was kind of like, oh well, we're going to watch this because we're all excited for football to be back and and not expect much. And then you got to halftime and it was a close game. And then unfortunately, Ohio State became annoying again. That's right. Richard Lago 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 started that game and threw sixty five passes. <laughs> that, that, that that was a throwback to to kevin wilson's indiana um, <laughs> forgot about that oh uh, um my i went with uh with elijah sindelar at purdue yeah i will uh i will ride and die for a dude that plays on a torn acl um 
we found out at the end of last season that Sindelar played the final few games with the torn with that torn ligament. Uh, in the bowl game, he was 33 for 53 for almost 400 yards and four touchdowns. They won the game. Uh, his passer rating in the last four games of the season bumped up like 20 points. I think he's progressing, and they're hopeful. Um, so I guess my pick will kind of be contingent on him playing a full season uh, and being healthy. But still, Purdue is fun, and Brom is fun, and I'm kind of rooting for the kid to be healthy. Yeah, that's that's a good pick. And Brom is great with quarterbacks, too. And yep. when you look at – so <laughs> it delights me in a, in a strange way that Purdue is bringing both quarterbacks to, to Big Ten Media Days because who does that? Um, it's awesome. <laughs> it, it, it is. Uh, but you look at that, so so Blau's the, the, the older of the two. So if you're looking at this from a perspective of, okay, Brahms kind of a quarterback whisperer, former quarterback himself, um, if they're pretty close in terms of ability to operate the offense and make plays and all that stuff, you probably go with the younger guy just because you've got another season with them. Um, but I guess we'll see. We will see. Um, I want to get now your thoughts on the top two teams – in the conference, who goes and plays in Indianapolis for the Big Ten title game? Let's start with the Eastern Division first. Who wins that? Oh, I mean, you almost have to take Ohio State. So, enforcing myself to to take somebody different than that because that that's no fun. I'll go with Michigan. Um, okay, it, it would take you know if that game were at Michigan at the end of the year, I would I would feel. A lot better about it but I, th- I think Michigan's going to be really good they've got two really good running backs they've got good young receivers if Shea Patterson comes in and is just able to be good like I don't even he doesn't even need to put up the the, the astronomical numbers he did in relatively few games for Ole Miss um, just be something better than what they had last year and you combine it with that defense which was shockingly good for how inexperienced they were um, I think that's that's the makings of a really good team. You know, I could see something where maybe they lose to Notre Dame in the opener, um, but then kind of run it from there and and build their way back into uh, the national championship discussion after everyone spends you know Labor Day weekend gnashing their teeth at Jim Harbaugh. Sure, because the defense is so good. I mean, the defense if they if they had you know value over replacement player. Um, positive at quarterback yes the defense could have led them pretty far last season it's good yeah yeah I, th- I think they had eight touchdown passes last year and I mean they dealt with a lot of injuries at quarterback too you know it's not like it was they were all just stiffs it was it was a difficult situation and for them to come out of that you know eight and five after a kind of you blew it loss against South Carolina in the bowl game with the youth they had on defense yeah not that bad. I understand why some Michigan fans are, are getting a little impatient, but I think this year is is the one to judge Harbaugh and Michigan on. That's what I wrote in my preview that this is going to be the one. When I talked to to Greg Smith, he's not he's not high on Shea Patterson, so yeah. it sounds like you think pretty highly of him. You're expecting a, a decent season at least. I, I mean, I think I think he brings a lot more upside to the quarterback position than they would have had otherwise. Um, the you know, the Patterson's 
career at Ole Miss was certainly strange. He got injured that first year, if I'm remembering correctly. They pulled his red shirt like really great late in the year. I, I seem to remember that happening and me thinking, what are they doing? Um, so there, there's a little bit of a small sample size hesitation for me, but I think I think he's pretty good. It's not I'm not discounting uh, what he did in that small sample size by any means. Yeah, I, I'm kind of in that that same boat with you. Um, I I'm I think ultimately I'm gonna pick Ohio State though. Because, um, you know, like I, I rose concerns about the, the quarterback spot and we don't know what we're going to get, but I ultimately don't think it's going to matter. Like they're just, they're way, they're way too talented. Yeah. Getting, getting that game against Michigan. Um, I mean, if, if you agree that Michigan's probably their top challenger and maybe you don't, um, because there's, there's two other teams in the, in the big 10 that have the chance to be pretty good. I think or the big 10 East that have a chance to be pretty good. Um, you know, it's just, it's, it's so hard to pick against Ohio state. They operate at such a high level. And I mean, not just a high level, like the gap between them and even the rest of the big 10 is it, you don't see that that often in, in other conferences. I mean, it may be happening in the ACC right now, just because Florida state's got to prove it's back. But you know, the, the degree to which Ohio state has a lead on everybody else is it still shocks me. Yeah, it's kind of like Alabama of not last year, but the the years before Kirby Smart yeah. went to Georgia. Yeah, it, it is. That's you know, and that's I think that's why those two and, and those two coaches constantly get compared because hey, these are these are real big boy football conferences, and and to get that big of a lead on the, the rest of the field, well, th- that's why that's why they're all still playing in uh in in January. Yep, I think I would put it, I I. I think I would put Michigan second in the, the East behind Ohio State, and then I think I would have Michigan State third and Penn State fourth. How do you how do you feel about the West? Since I went since I went with the upset pick in the East, I'll probably just go chalk in the West um, with Wisconsin, which you know within their own divisions they they have an even bigger lead maybe than than Ohio State does on the next closest challenger, who who in my mind is is probably Iowa when you look at they've got perhaps the best tight end in the country. They've got a quarterback they feel good about, and you know, they're always going to be good defensively. And also they're just like Wisconsin. They're they're so good at executing their style, which doesn't really appeal to the the general football fan. Um, But these seem to be the sorts of teams for Iowa that, that do pretty well. I just would like to point out that I miss uh, Texas tech games from the big 12 where, you know, it's like (laughs) 70 to, to 60. I wish Iowa would play one game like that. <laughs> I think Iowa is the least likely team. Well, <laughs> yeah, they did put up what fifty six or fifty five on Ohio State, which yeah, it was like fifty six to twenty four. Yeah, in terms of all time shocking results, that's uh, that's got to be up there for the last five or six seasons. Like, I mean, <laughs> Iowa putting up fifty six on anyone is is pretty rare. Um, much less the best team in the conference for the last five years. Um, I have a conspiracy theory about that game. Okay, let's hear it. I I think Iowa players were so excited to finally get to wear a different (laughs) uniform that they were like, we're going to play as well as we possibly can so that we will get to wear these again. (laughs) Well, and and no, as far as I know, they stuck to their guns, um, but maybe they should rethink that because it's as good an explanation as any for that game, which makes no sense to me. Yeah, that game was that game was crazy. Um, I think you're right on Wisconsin. They're definitely going to win the West. I don't think it's going to be close. Um, I think Northwestern is two. 
Yeah. That's where uh, I would I, put them. Yeah, I could, I could definitely get there. And when, you know, when I, when I was thinking about this, it, it kind of sets up well for Nebraska. So you've got the clear king of the, the division. Nobody in the unofficial official poll picked anyone other than the Badgers, and that's totally deserved. We both picked them too. Um, but then you've got this lump of teams in the middle. Now, yes, I have Northwestern and Iowa ahead of Nebraska, but it's not an insurmountable lead. So, you know, you get the you – know, Wisconsin only has to lose one or two games to potentially lose that division. So, I don't know. I, I think it could be – if you're a team that's in Nebraska's situation in year one where you're trying to surprise some teams and, and come out of nowhere – don't you, wouldn't you rather just have the one, the one clear team you have to knock off and, and a bunch of other games where that are mostly even, they're not going to be easy to win by any means, but they're not going to be 14 point spreads either. No, it's not going to be, you know, if Nebraska beats Northwestern next season, it's not going to be a similar shock factor of Iowa yeah. putting 56 on Ohio state. What? <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, no, it, it definitely it definitely won't be. Um, I wonder when the last time Northwestern scored 56 is now, too. Probably a while I, ago. Yeah, I'm going to guess so. Um, what What's Nebraska's ceiling in 2018? Second place? Third place? Probably, I would say, I would say second. Like, if everything goes right, like, if the, the biggest question marks that we have for Nebraska turn out to be at least decent or relative strengths, um, they could they could finish second because that probably means. So if you if we're starting out at six and six, which is you know basically you win all the home games minus Michigan State, and then lose all the road games, you know getting to second only requires really like the least the path of least resistance is well you got to beat Northwestern you got to beat Iowa on the road um, could Nebraska do that yeah I think they could particularly Iowa by the time this this team with this new staff gets a full, basically a full season under its belt. Um, yeah, that that's that's doable. I wouldn't call it likely still, but doable. Sure. We have uh, breaking news on the podcast. Oh, so boy. The Huskers have added uh, Central Florida starting safety Trey Neal as a late graduate transfer. Oh. Um, that's big. That is big. Um, that name's familiar for, to me. I'll have to go back and... And look at actually uh, what what he did last year, but that's that's certainly not a, a who name to me. That's a oh yeah, I need to I need to go back and refresh my memory on him. That's interesting that you're adding a starting safety to the secondary. I think safety would be the the more comfortable of the two positions in the secondary, right? Oh, ab- absolutely. Safety is the one I look at, and I'm like, man, they got a lot of good options here. So I, I like the veterans in Aaron Williams and Antonio Reed. Um, Based on everything we heard, although we haven't gotten to see him play much yet, Jojo Doman was probably going to be the starter last year and, and should be back. And then, you know, a couple of my favorite recruits in the 2018 signing class look like they're going to be slated to play safety, too. So um, certainly buys Nebraska some, some time here, I guess, um, but also may, might, might, might make for some difficult decisions here in, uh, in August. Uh, Trey Neal coming to Nebraska means that Nebraska now is number one in the conference. Number one in the division, I should say. So everything that we've talked about for the last thirty minutes is now null and void. <laughs> right. We are going to have to. We are going to have to go back and re-record. That was the pre-pre Trey Neal era, um, and and how are we to know? 
<laughs> um, I think we should close it out on that note so we can get some stuff up on site on Trey. Um, we will be back next week with another podcast. We'll have some stuff at Big Ten Media Days for you guys to read. Just a couple things probably. It's not going to be too big. Um, <laughs> Brandon, thanks for joining the podcast. Thanks so much. All right. I will see you on Sunday in Chicago. And uh, thanks for listening, guys. <laughs>